We begin today the Gemara towards the top of the Mem, about 10 lines down from the top of the Yomud. The Gemara continues from what it spoke about before when you have a shoyr of a cherashoyt of a cotton, and there's an apotropis, a caretaker, that's appointed to take care of this, and then the damages that are caused by the shoyr, you have to pay for it. Apotropisin that are taking care of someone's ox that gored and damaged have to pay. If it's a muid, you pay from the best of the properties for this damage. If it's damaged in the possession of an apotropis, they do not pay kaifer. What's kaifer? Kaifer is when an ox gores and kills a person, and then you have to pay a certain amount of money as kaifer. For this, and the Gemara here will discuss right now exactly how much you pay and what the point of this payment is, but when it happens in the care of an apotropis, so you do not have to pay the kaifer. So the Gemara explains why not. Man tane, who is the tane here of this b'raise, that seemingly the explanation of what this tane holds is kufre kapare. The point of paying a kaifer is that the owner of this ox needs an atonement for the fact that his ox went and gored and killed another person, and so therefore, the Yasmi, so over here when you have this apotropus that's taking care of the animal of the Yusayimim, lav b'nei kaparanino. So because they were Yusayimim, and this took place without their ability to do anything about it, so the Yusayimim are not b'nei kapara, and therefore in such a case, it, it, there's no kaifer, there's no payment of kaifer. The kaifer is only by the owner of this ox. And over here, the owner of the ox was, is really the Yusayimim, and for them, there's no need for a kapara. That's the reason why you don't pay this kaifer in this case. So who is the Tana that holds that the payment of the kaifer is as a kapara, as an atonement for the owner of the ox? Seems that this is Rabbi Shmol, the son of Rabbi Yechelen ben Breke. We can see from his opinion regarding what it is that you pay for the kaifer, that he holds it as a kapara. Because the Tanya, we learned in Abraise, Amachloikis, regarding what is the payment of the kaifer. V'nosan pidyon nafshei. You have to pay to redeem your soul when uh, your ox Gordon killed someone. How much do you pay? So the Tanakhama says, the main nizik. You pay the value of the nizik of the person that was killed. Now, how do you evaluate that? So usually it says you evaluate by how much that person could be sold as a slave. What was his value? To be sold as a slave? That's the amount of money you now have to pay for the fact that he was Gordon killed. However, Rabbi Shmuel says, no, the main mazik. You pay the value of the mazik himself, the owner of this ox, his value, that's how much he has to pay for this kaifer. Now, what's the basis of this argument? So seemingly they argue over here in the following point. The Rabbana, the, Rabbana, the Tanakami here says, Kufre, paying this kaifer is mamayna. It's a money payment. It's a, it's a reimbursement. Of course, you can't reimburse the life of a person, but you see what his value is as being sold for an eved. And that's what you have to pay. That's the money that you can pay for the value of who he was. So therefore, it's not an Indian of kapara, it's an Indian to reimburse his value. It says that you pay the value of the owner, the bailam of this sharedat gourd. So he holds kufr kapara. The payment of the kaifer is, is an atonement for your soul. So therefore, for the, the soul of the owner of this ax, so you pay the value of what, what the mazik is. So that's the opinion of the Bible I said before that says that by Yisayimim there's no payment of kaifer. Amarav Pape, Surah Pape responds to this and says, not necessarily is this the explanation of the Machlaikis between the Rabbanon and Rabbi Shmuel. The Kulal Mekufr Kapara. Everybody agrees that the point of the payment of the kaifer is as, as a kapara. 
But v'hacha, v'hacha miflegi. Nevertheless, our argument, how you evaluate what the amount of kapara you have to pay. Rabbanan savri bidinizik shamina. The Rabbanan say that even though it is a kapara, but how do you get that kapara? By paying the reimbursement for the value of the person that died. That the kapara is by evaluating the mazik, how much the mazik himself, what his, what his worth is, and that's what you pay, and that's how you get the kapara. So everybody agrees it's a kapara. Only question is how you evaluate this. What's the source in the psukim? My time at the Rabbanan. What's the source of the Rabbanan to say that you evaluate by the person that was killed? Because nemra shisa lamata venemra shisa lamayla. In the Torah, when it talks about the chiyuv of paying kaifer, the Torah uses the term shisa. It says in the Torah, lashna the pasik, im kaifer yushas Allah that you place upon him kaifer. But it also says earlier there by a person that got into a fight and a woman lost her babies because of this fight. Over there it says kashi yoshis Allah bal haisha. So there it also uses the same term of yoshis. So therefore we compare the two, Ma'ala Alon Bidinizik, just like over there, by that uh, case of Yosha Salaf, it's talking about that you evaluate the Nizik, the damaged one, the one that got damaged, Afkan Bidinizik, so to over here, when you pay Kaifer, you pay the value of the person that got killed. That's according to the Tanakam, so it's Xayr Shavi, you compare these two terms of Shisa. Rabbi Shmuel, B'nai Shrav Yechelim, Ebrei here, the Pasuk says, regarding paying the kaifer, you should give a, 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 a redemption or to, uh, to release your soul. So it says, your soul, which, which refers to the soul of the masik, the one that's giving it. The Rabbanon, the Rabbanon will argue and say, the Torah does say that it's, it's going to redeem his soul. But that the accomplishment of this payment will be that it will redeem his soul. That's why he's giving the money. But how do you evaluate? Kashi Yushasolov, that you compare to the Nizik, as you learn out from the Xerishava. So therefore you, you evaluate the Nizik, the person that was killed and damaged. Rave praised in front of Rav Nachman, his friend, Rav Achabar Yaakiv, the Adam Godlhu. He said, Achabar Yaakiv, he's a great person. So now Amalei, so Rav Nachman says to Rav, So when Rav Achav Yaakov comes to you, have you bring him to me, I want to talk to him. So when Rav Achav Yaakov came to Rav Nachman, Amalei, so Rav Nachman says to Rav Achav Yaakov, Ask of me a shayla, let's uh, challenge me with a question, let me see if I can answer you. Rav Achav Yaakov asked Rav Nachman, If you have an act that's owned by partners, if this Shai Gordon killed someone, you have to pay Kaifer. So how do these partners pay this payment of the Kaifer? Mishalim hai Kaifer, v'hai Kaifer. Shall you say that each one of the partners pays a full Kaifer? But then the problem is, Kaifer echad omer The Torah says that, in Kaifer Yusha Salav, it says a singular term, you pay once Kaifer. You don't pay twice Kaifer. So that seemingly is not an option. On the other hand, should you say if it's partners, so high chatzik kaifer, high chatzik kaifer. So each partner pays half of the kaifer. It also is not uh, going to work because kaifer shalin omer achmana. The Torah says that uh, the owner of the ox has to pay a full kaifer. You don't pay half a kaifer. So what do you do in the case of partners? As Rav Nachman is sitting and analyzing this shaila to figure out what is the payment of this kaifer. Amalei, Rav Achaba Yaakov tells Rav Nachman, I have another shayla about Kaifer. What was his second shayla? 
So he, he, he first brought him a Mishnah that it says in Masechta Erchen about uh, different payments, and then he adds a Shiloh regarding Kaifer. So it's not the Mishnah says. Chayove Erchen, a person that's obligated to give Erchen. That's when a person takes upon himself Erech, a Pliny Alai, or Erki Alai, certain ages that uh, a person is, has a different values, the set values that the Torah says in different ages, and you accept upon yourself to give this amount to Hektish. So you took upon yourself this, uh, this donation to Hektish. So the Mishnah says, If a person is not paying, so then you force this person to pay by taking a collateral from him. And the reason why here you take this mashkin is because since this is a kind of a pledge or a donation, we're afraid that the person will delay it and not pay it, so we have to take measures to make sure that the person will pay it. That's by, by Erchen. Chayove chatois vashomes. A person that's chayv to bring a carbon chatos or an ashram for an aveda that he did, and he needs a kapara. In such a case, aim a mashkin nice, and it's not necessary to take a mashkin to force him to bring the carbon. Now, what's the reason? Sarashi says the reason is because since this is for a purpose of a kapara, we know that this person wants to have this kapara and he's going to bring the carbon. So now the question he asked, Rav Acha Yaakov asked Rav Nachman is, Chayove kaifrin mai. A person that is axed Gordon killed someone and he has to pay kaifer, what's the halacha here? Do we take this mashkin to force him to pay this or not? And he brings a few swaras for this. Do I say, keeping the kapara who, since the point of this payment is as an atonement, kechatas vashem dami. So therefore it's similar to chatas and asham, mach mechome ilavei, this is something which is very severe in a person's eyes. It's not necessary to take a mashkin, he'll pay it on his own. Or perhaps this is different. It's different than a karmel chatas and asham. Why? Since, who's he paying this, this payment of the kaifer to? You don't pay it like it is with chatas and asham, it brought it as a carbon in the base of Mikdash, but you pay it to your friend. So therefore, memainuhu, so this is a payment which is a money payment, and v'loyelugavayahu, this is not a payment, this is not like a carbon that's coming and going as a car on the Mizbech to the base of Mikdash, so maybe it's not so severe in people's eyes, and it's necessary to take a mashkin to make sure, to force him that he will pay this kaifer. Another Swara the Gemara says, Inam, or I can tell you a different reason why it's not so severe in people's eyes. Since in a case where a person's ox Gordon killed someone, it's not an Aveda that the person himself did with his own hands. It's his animal, his money that he owns that causes damage. So this is not, this matter is not so severe in people's eyes. And therefore, another reason why it would be necessary to take a mashkin. This was the second Shaila that Rav Achab Yaakov asked Rav Nachman while he was still thinking of how he's going to answer his first Shaila. On Malay, Rav Nachman says to Rav Achab Yaakov, Shafkan, leave me, let me think about the first Shaila. I'm, I'm locked up, I've, I'm quiet because I don't even know how to answer the first Shaila, and you're already uh, asking me a second Shaila. <laughs> so Rav Achab Yaakov challenged Rav Nachman and he couldn't ask him, answer him, not on the first Shaila and not on the second Shaila. We learned in the Braise the following halachas. A person borrows an ox and he borrows this ox in the status of being a tam. That it's a shirt that didn't go up before, so it's a tam. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he got the, he borrowed the shirt and it's a wild ox and it's a muud, which means it gore three times already. And if it gores, you have to pay full pay for this. So now what happened? If it gored again while it wasn't the possession of this borrower, this shayl, so who's going to have to pay for this? The shayel didn't know that it was wild. So Baile Mishal Mechatzinezek, the owner of the sax is going to have to pay half of the payment. And the shayel Mishal Mechatzinezek, and the shayel is going to have to pay another half. 
In other words, half the shayel has to pay because even if he thought that it was a tam, so he has to guard it. And uh, even as a tam, he should have to pay for that half a payment. As a, as a shayel, he has to guard it at least for that. He knew it was a tam, so half a payment he has to pay. The other half, though, which would bring it to Nezak Shalem, that half the owner has to pay because you didn't let me know that this uh, animal here is a mood. Ah, the Gemara says, what happens in the reverse? This animal was a tam when it was in the hands of the Bailim, and he lent it to this person. Now, in the possession of the shayel, he was not careful with it, and it gored three times, and it turned into a mud. And now, he returns it to the owner. So the owner pays only for this, even though it became already a mu'at. But now once it goes back to the original owner, you pay only for this. And the shayel doesn't have to pay anything for this. What's this uh, second part of this b'raisa based on? So Rashi here says that this is based on the halacha that we learned earlier in the previous daf, Rishos Meshana, that once the ox changes possessions, so the status that I had before is a mu'ah changes and it goes back to being a tam. So when it goes from the possession of the shayel, where it became a mu'ah, but now it goes back to the original owner, it goes back to being a tam. And you only pay chatzin ezek. So Rashi says there right away, the Gemara will later ask that the reisha and the seifah seem to be contradicting each other. Because in the reisha it says that when it, was, when it was in the possession of the owner, and then it went to the rishus of the shayel, it was a mu'ad in the rishus of the owner. It remains a mu'ad when it goes into the rishus of the, uh, of the shayel. And in the safe, it's saying, no, if it's a mu'ad in the rishus of the shayel, when it goes back to the bailim, it turns back into a tam. So there's a contradiction in it. So the Gemara will address that contradiction. But before that, the Gemara will first address the halacha of the reisha of the b'raisa. So what did it say in the reisha of the b'raisa? tam. A person borrows a cow or an ox as a tam. It turns out that it's really wild, it's a mu'ad. So the owner has to pay half. He has to pay the other half, that is, for, for the fact that it's a mu'ad. But the shayel pays the, the first half, which is for the fact that it was a tam. Why should the shayel pay at all? So here the Gemara is going to go through a bunch of different arguments that the shayel could say of why he should not be paying at all for the damage that it causes. Lay melei shall the the shell shall, shall argue the argue uh, the following argument to the owner of this ox. To the shili, I borrowed from you an ox, and I thought it was a nice, uh, good, calm ox. I didn't borrow a, a lion from you. I didn't know I'm getting this wild ox that's like a lion that I have to be so careful with. So if I get get now such a kind of an ox which I see is so wild, I shouldn't be responsible at all. Not even for chatzinezek. It's not what I borrowed. What I made up with you. True, but even if it's a tam, but if it's not, if you borrow one thing and you, and you told that it's one object and it turns out to be something completely different, you shouldn't be responsible at all because it's not what you took. Like yeah, it's like, yeah, it's the whole thing is not what he expected to get. <coughs> so the Gemara answers this question. So Omarav, or the other Gersi here is Omarove. The case here is true. He didn't know that it was Mamisha Mu'ed. He didn't know that it was worn three times in the Bezdin and it already has the status of a Mu'ed. But he did know that this ox is a wild ox, that it gores. Yeah, it wasn't already established as a Mu'ed, but he knew that it was a Nakhan. So he knew what he's getting into. So therefore, he has to pay for it being a Tam, because as far as he knew, it was still a Tam, but he knew that it was a Nakhan. He knew that this is a wild ox. But still the Gemara says, the shell could argue and say, Still, it's not the same object that I borrowed. I borrowed a tam from you. That was the status that you gave it to me in. 
Muad lay shili. I didn't borrow from you a muad, so it's something different than what I borrowed, so I shouldn't pay it all. So no, that the Gemara answer is the answer is simple. Mishumdam alei, the uh, owner could say to him, sof sof. In the end of the day, true, you only took it as a tam, but eat tama. But if it was actually true that it was a tam, palganiska boy shlumi, you would have to pay a half chatzinezek for it being a tam. So hashanam is shlum palganiska. So now, yeah, that chatzinezek. So that's what you expected. So that part you do have to pay. But still, the shell could argue and say, If it would be a tam, then the payment of the tam shouldn't be coming out of my pocket. You don't pay cash or from good properties for the damage of a tam. You only pay it from the body of the ox itself. That's where the collection of the payment should come from. Why should I have to pay for this? So that the Gemara answers, this is not an argument at all. Mishum Malay, the owner will tell him, Sof, Sof, in the end of the day, At lav If you allow this ox to gore and cause damage when it was in your possession, when you borrowed it, and then you're giving it back to me, to the owner, and the owner now is going to have to give from the goof of the share to pay for these damages, who's going to have to reimburse the owner for this? The shoyal that allowed this damage to happen is anyways going to have to reimburse the owner for this. So if you anyways have to reimburse me, so you should pay that chatzinezek to the person that got damaged. But still, the shoyal should be able to argue further. The name Malay, he can say to the owner of this ox, in Tamave, if it was only a tam, so what's the payment of the tam? The payment of the tam, here the Gemara is going according to the opinion that the payment of the tam, Chatzinezek, is a knas, a penalty. So here, what's the Allah if it's a knas? Maidina. I have the option to be maida in this damage. And then a mefatrina. Once you maida, you become potter. That's the Allah of any knas. If you maida in a damage that's a knas, then you don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. And the Gemara adds, and he actually, he could argue further and say, even according to the opinion that says that the payment, of this chatzinezek is a regular money payment, and if you made it, you're not going to be potter. Name the lay, but still the shoyal could argue and say, e tamu, if this ox was actually a tam like the status he told me it is, what would I do? What would I would do with this ox is, since the payment for this ox only comes from the body of the ox itself, I can run away with this ox, take it into a swamp or an area where there's a lot of other oxen there, and it'll mingle there amongst the other oxen, and then the owner will not be able to collect from it. So now that uh, you, you're, you're taking this ox and you're allowing it to be identified separately and the person that got damaged could collect from it, why should I pay? If it would have been up to me, I would have made sure that the owner should not be able to collect from this because I would have taken it in, the, in a place that the, 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 the nizik, the one that got damaged, should not be able to collect from this. This last time here actually, Tysus asks, and this, what kind of a time is this? If he's taking this ox away and he's, he's mixing it with other oxen, so then he's doing shalaykadin. He's supposed to pay. The payment is supposed to come from the body of this ox. Taisus says, especially according to Rabbi Kiva, that says that as soon as the ox damages by a tam, the nizik becomes a partner in the body of the ox itself. We learned before Rabbi Kiva holds imamish can become a partner in the body of the ox. What does this mean that he could take away the ox and not allow the nizik to collect his payment? So Taisus answers, what he's trying to say is that if I would do so, I know that what would happen is that the nizik would be moichel the payment. The nizik knows that his chance of getting the collection of his payment only comes from the body of the ox, and if the ox is not here, he's moichel the payment. So if I would have done so, the payment would have been, it would have been moichel the payment. Or he would have been ready that I should pay him much less, I should pay him a little, because he knows that he can't get the ox itself. So therefore now, when you have the ox, I shouldn't have to pay the full amount, because if it would have been up to me, I would have taken it away, that I wouldn't have to pay the full payment. 
Yeah, you have to sell it and then split the value of of what you get for the goof itself. Okay, so the Gemara says, so Ela Hachav Ma'iskin. And what what must be the case over here when we say that the shoyel has to pay his share? He has to pay half for this uh, damage that happened. The case here is going to act in Beidineve Tafse. The Bezdin came and grabbed this ox here. So the Bezdin has the ox now in their possession. So once the Bezdin has it, so you can't uh, avoid paying this half a payment. So the Chatsi Nezik of the Tam, that the Shoyal has to pay. He got it Becheska's Tam, and now it's in the hands of the Bezdin. You can't take it away. So you'll have to pay that part. And the Bezdin came in here, the Baal Yeah, yeah. And the Bezdin came and grabbed it. But now the Gemara asks various questions here in the reverse different kinds of arguments that the owner, the original owner of this ox can make, why he should not have to pay his half because of the fact that it's a mu'at. Like the Gemara says, if the Bezin came and grabbed it, why should the owner have to pay the other half because of the fact that it's a mu'at? They should say to the shayel, you allowed this ox to be grabbed in the hands of in the hands of someone that we cannot uh, settle our argument with him, our dintaita with him, now that it's in the hands of the bezdin. But in other words, what, what the owner is saying over here is, you allowed the bezdin to come and grab it. Now that you allowed the bezdin to come and grab it, so now, yeah, of course we're going to be stuck, we're going to have to pay. But what you should have done is, you shouldn't have allowed the bezin to come and grab this ox. You're a shayl, you have to make sure that you return the ox to me. That's what a shayl is supposed to do. You're not allowed, you're not supposed to allow the bezin to come and grab it. So again, Taisus of discusses, even though Takia, this is uh, the halacha, bezin came and grabbed it. He didn't give it to the bezin, bezin came and grabbed it. And uh, he can even argue and say he didn't even know that it was a mu'ad. But Taisus says, no, it doesn't matter. Still, there's a tiny that he could say that the owner that is, has a tiny that the, the ox belongs to me. You're a shoyal, you have to return the ox to me. Why did you allow the bezin to come and grab it? So the, the, the Gemara says, the shoyal will answer to the owner. The Amalei, he says to him, <clears throat> If I would have given back the ox to you, to the owner, wouldn't the bezin then come to you? And take it away from you. So either way, the bezin will come and take it away from you. So uh, what I, the, allowing the bezin to take it away, and I didn't return the ox to you, that's, that, that's no, no reason to, to say that you shouldn't have to pay your half. The name of but still the Gemara says the owner should argue and say, If you would have given the ox back to us before the bezin came and grabbed it, no, bezin would have not taken it away from me, from the owner, that is. Why? Because again, over here, the Gemara says the same time like the Shail himself said before, We would have, the, the owner says, I would have taken it away somewhere to Agam to mix with other oxen and they wouldn't be able to collect from this ox. <laughs> So the answer is, the shayl can say, soft, soft, in the end of the day, over here now, what are we talking about? We're talking about the owner that has to pay the other half because it's a muid. Not the collection of the, the other half is not actually coming from the body of the ox itself. So the shayl will say, soft, soft, lav even if you would take your ox away and it would mingle with other oxen, but you have to pay from your pocket cash or from the best of your properties. So there's no, you can't, you can't have a tiny that you would have uh, taken it away somewhere. So the Gemara says, well, it depends. That is. It, that's true in a case where he has other possessions, he has properties. <laughs> so then the payment would anyways come from other properties. But if this ox is the only possession 
that he has that the Nizik or the Bezin can come and confiscate the collection from, and therefore now the Bailam has a taina. Why did you allow the Bezin to take it? If, if I, the Bailam, would have taken it, I would have just hid it and taken it somewhere else. And this is the only place that the money could be collected from. So that is the Gemara answers, the Shoyal could say, listen, just like we have, or I have, that is, the Shoyal, that is, has a Shibud to return the ox that he borrows back to the owner. Right, so that's, that, that's the basis here of the Taina of the owner. Why didn't you give this ox back to me? We are the original owner, you have to give it back. But the Shoyal says, so too, I also have a shibut to the Nizik. I was irresponsible and I caused the damage to this Nizik. So there's also responsibility that I have to the person that was damaged to give it to him. So therefore, instead of giving it to the owner and then the shibut of the owner, then what's going to happen to this ox? The payment will go to the one that was damaged. So he says, Midrab Nasen. So we here we say that the shibut goes directly to the person that was damaged, like Rab Nasen says. Even though seemingly true, the shayel has a shibud to the bailim, and also to the person that he damaged, and you would think, so but what does the shayel have to do? The first thing he has to do is give it back to the bailim. And then the nizik will come to the bailim and collect it from the bailim. So here the Gemara brings what Rab Nassim said in such a kind of situation that no, you don't have to give it to the bailim in between. You allow the bezin to take it directly to the person that was damaged. Why? The Tanya, as we learned in Abraham, so what did Rab Nassim say? Rab Nassim, Rab Nassim says, Minayin mana. How do you know in a case where one person is trying to collect a loan from his friend, the chavere bechavere, and that person also has another loan that he is collecting from his friend? How do you know that you skip out the middle person and you collect the money directly from the third person to the first person? You can ignore the person in between and collect the loan directly. Talmud Loima, the Pasuk says, you give, you pay, to the one that the money really is deserved to, which is the person in between, he anyways owes the money to the first person. So the third person goes directly to the first person. So the same thing over here, the payment of this damage here, since anyways, the owner is going to have to pay that. So the Shoyal says, "Why I'm, I, don't, I don't have an obligation to give it to you. And then from you, it goes back to the Nizik. I'm going to pay directly to the Nizik. And therefore, the, 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 the shayel pays his half, and the bailam is going to have to pay his half for the damage that happened, since it's now a muad. This is the explanation of the ratio of this b'raisa. Okay. Now the Gemara brings what it said in the Sefer of the b'raisa. In the Sefer, it didn't was, who the base shayel? So this shayel was a tam. In the house of the shayel, it became a muad. Ve'achzir al-bailam, you gave it back to the original owner. So then, it becomes back a tam. And therefore, Bailam Hashem Chatsi Nezek, the Bailam only pays half. The Shail Potter Miklum, the Shail is completely Potter. Says the Gemara, so we have a contradiction here. Seife Rishus Mashana. In the Seife, it's saying that if you change possessions from the Shail to the owner, so it changes the ownership and it changes its status. It reverts back to a Tam. Reisha Rishusene Mashana. And the Reisha is saying it was a Tam in the, uh, again, sorry, it was a Muid in the Rishus of the Bailam. And now when you give it to the Shail, and it's changing possessions, it does not change uh, the status. It doesn't revert back to a town. So we have a contradiction. Amar Rav says about the contradiction in this Braise, Tavra, that you have to break this Braise in half. Misha Shonazul, Shonazul, the one that said the dinner of the Reisha, did not say the dinner of the Sefer. It's Taka Machlaikis, whether the Rishos we had before in the Gemara, Machlaikis, whether when you change possessions of an ox, whether it reverts back to a status of a town. So that's uh, the Machlaikis here, the Reisha and the Sefer. 
That's Rabbi Yechonah. But Rabbi, Rabbi says, or another Gersi here is that uh, it, it's uh, Rav Omar, if in the ratio of this b'raisa we see that the change of rishos does not change back its status to becoming a tam, so when I went from the bailam to the to the shoyel, it does not become back a tam. So on the sefer as well, the sefer agrees that in the change of ownership it does not change back to a tam. So why is it in the sefer that the sefer heinetaima? Why is it in the Sefer that we say that it does change back? Then when it goes from the Shoyal back to the Bailam, it come, becomes a Tam. Hainu Taim, the reason over here is, Mishum because the owner says to the Shoymer, or to the Shoyal rather, the, the, the Shoyal that's uh, borrowing and uh, was guarding it, Lav kol keminach You don't have the power to turn my Shoyal into a Muit. Only an owner of an ox has the power to turn a shayr into a mood when he's warned about this and it goes in his possession. Not a shayl. Why? A shayl does not guard it as well as the owner himself. A shayl, it's not, it, he doesn't own this ox, he's using it for a certain period of time because he doesn't guard it as, as well, so it could end up getting wild in his possession. So the fact that it got wild in his possession and now, now it became a muid, the owner has the right to say, or the, the, the owner says that it, it cannot become a shayr a, a, a hamuid in your possession. So therefore, the moment it goes back to the original owner, it goes back to its status of a tam. That's Rav's pshat. Rav Papa, Rav Papa says, no, we could resolve this contradiction and we could say the opposite. If the sefer of this b'raiso holds that the rishus, when it changes, it does revert back to becoming a tam, and that is the explanation of the sefer, that it is a muad in the rishus of the shoyal, when it goes back to the bailam, now it changes possession, so it becomes back a tam. In the Reisha, when it goes from the Bailem to the, to the Shoyal, over there, the Reisha also holds that really the Rishos should change its status, it should become a Tam. So why in the Reisha does it say that when it goes from the Bailem to the Shoyal, does it not become a Tam? And the Reisha, in the Reisha, the reason is, any place where the Shoyal goes, shame, Bailov, Olov. If it's being borrowed, it wasn't sold or given as a gift to someone. It was just borrowed by the shoyal. So even in the possession of the shoyal, it still has the name and the ownership and the possession of the original owner on it. And therefore, it's not really a full change of possession. So therefore, the, the, the status of it being a shoyal uh, hamu'ah still remains on it. The Gemara's answer is a little bit hard to understand because if that's the case, that even by the shoyal, it, it, it's always in the Rishos of the Bailam, so you could argue that that's true in both ways. So why are we saying that this is true when it goes from the Bailam to the Shoyal, that it still has the name of the Bailam on it, and there's no real change of possession, but on the other hand, when it goes from the Shoyal back to the Bailam, here we say that it is a change, and it does uh, revert back to being a Tam. So one, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the Mepharshim answer that what the Gemara is saying is that when it goes into the Rishus of the Shoyal, it's like a Rishus of partnership. On one hand, it still has the name of the original owner on it. On the other hand, the Shoyal is the one that borrowed it now. And he's, he's, he's the one that's using it and taking care of it. So it also has the Rishus of the Shoyal on it. So when it goes from the Bailam to the Shoyal, it has still the name of the Bailam on it, even though it also has the name of the Shoyal on it, but it's not a full change. But then, when it goes from the shoyal to the bailim, so before it was it had the name of the the shoyal and the bailim on it. Now, when it goes to the bailim, it loses the name of the shoyal completely. It goes back to the bailim, and now it changes because it doesn't have the name of the shoyal on it at all. So, therefore, that is considered to be a change of ownership, and it reverts back to being a tam. Okay. 
See here in the Gemara, I mentioned yesterday, the Rebbe Nesichah brings this in, Yemenigayat Rishus Meshana, that there's one svara that it, uh, it depends on the, the nature of the animal itself. When it changes possessions, so the animal sees a new owner that behaves differently with the animal, so because there's a pashita change in the way the, the owner deals with it, so it changes the nature of the animal, the way it behaves. Here in the Gemara, it seems like that the shot is different. It's because over here, it's going into the possession of the shell, and the shell treats it differently, and still the Gemara has a svara to say that because the name of the Bailam is on it, you don't say the Shusmashana. So there's, a, there's a, the other story I mentioned that the Rebbe brings, it's Mashman Rashi, that it's a, it's all depends on the Hasra, the din of the, the Hasra, of the, the, the yield that you have to warn the owner. So as long as it's still in a shoyal's possession that has the shame of the original Bailem, so that warning that the original owner got remains if he knows that he's lending it out to someone and he's not selling it, the responsibility and the warning still remains. Okay. Yeah, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes, it changes the behavior. Okay, that's pretty good to the table of the show. But here in the Gemara, it's mashma that it's uh, okay. The warning of the owner. Okay, let's go right to what did say the next thing in the Mishnah? it's starting when you have a shayer that's used in a uh, like in a circus in a uh, what do they have there? What? In an arena where they have these oxen that uh, fight like a sport arena where they fight with one another with their horns and they're trained for this. And it's in that place and in that circumstance that it killed someone. Mm. You're not chayv misa for this. The Mishnah brought a pasik. It says, So only if it did it intentionally, not if it was like sort of forced into it. It was trained into being wild this way. So you're not, it's not chayv, you know, the skiller for killing a person. So regarding this case, the boy was asked, What's the halacha regarding such a kind of shayr? Could it be brought as a carbon on the mizbeach? So the basis of this shayla is, we'll see soon, a shayr that does an aveda, and then it kills a person, which is an aveda, it's a shayr anisko, it's chayv misa, it's not right to be brought as a carbon. Over here though, it did this aveda ba'inis, it did it uh, by being trained to go and act this way. So it's not chayv skila. But the question is, could it still be brought as a carbon for the mizbeach? Rava, Makosha, Rav says, just like it's not chayv skila, it's kosher to be brought as a carbon. Shmuel, I'm a puzzle. Shmuel says, no, it's puzzle to be brought as a carbon. Rav, I'm a kosher, honestly, because it's an anus. It was trained, forced into doing this. So, so it's, it's not chayv skill, it can be brought as a carbon. Shmuel, I'm a puzzle. No, it's possible because had a never boy Aveda. Even though it happened by anus, but the fact is, an Aveda happened through it, it killed someone, it can't be brought as a carbon. So the Gemara asks, Meisvei, we learned in the Braise, the source of this halacha about an animal that gores and kills someone. That it, so it says in this Braise as follows. Min When the Pasuk in the beginning of Ayikra, it says about the Karbanis, it says min. Min from the Behemis. So the word min comes to exclude. This comes to exclude an animal that cohabited with a human being against a, a, a person's will. Or a person that went and cohabited with this animal. That's uh, those, these are animals that didn't have Veda, so a carbon can't be brought from them. Then it says, Mina Bakar. What's the Min over here coming to exclude? Lohitzi is Hanevad. It excludes an animal that was served as a Vedizada. Also, another animal that a Vedizada was bad to it, so can't be brought. Minatsain. Lohitzi is Hamukta. Minatsain comes to say that an animal, even if it wasn't served as a Vedizada, it was designated for a Vedizada, it can't be brought as a carbon. Hmm. Then it says, Uminatsain with an extra vav, This excludes that an animal that gores and kills someone cannot be brought as a carbon. Rashi says it has to be talking about a case where you don't have two adim that are gored and killed. 
because if you add two Edim, then you have to stone it to death. So it couldn't be brought as a carbon anyways. It's a case where you have a Echod, or the owner knows that it, it, it killed someone, so you can't bring it as a carbon. Rav Shimon says on this, If it says, if you're being mimaid from the Pasuk, that the animal that doesn't Aveda, Reva, cohabited, that it can't be brought as a carbon, why does it have to say another Aveda? that it gored and killed someone. It's both, 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 both are basically the same point, that it did an Aveda. And that's why it can't be brought as a carbon. On the other hand, It says in the not you don't bring a carbon from this animal, why does it have to say Reva? The answer is, The Aveda are, is not the same, they're different. And the Torah has to say both of them are Avedas, that you don't bring the carbon. Why? Reva, by the Aveda of Reva, there's a certain stringency. Also by Oynes Keratzen. Over there, whether it happened by Oynes, against the animal's will, or with the animal do, initiating and doing this, either way, it's an Aveda that you don't bring a, a carbon from it, right? Because it's said here in the Braise, Reva and Nirva. It means whether the animal initiated or an, a person initiated, either way, you don't bring a carbon. So that's a unique stringency you find by Reva. Negeach, however, when it comes to animal that gores and kills someone, over here, the Oynes and Ratzen is not the same thing. On the other hand, there's a stringency by animal that gores and kills. Negeach, Mishalom Kaifer, an animal that gores and kills, you have to pay this payment of Kaifer, as we saw we said before. Reva, in a Mishalom is a Kaifer, by Reva, there's no Kaifer. So, so has to say both. Even though one is more stringent than the other, the Torah is telling you that both of these are Avedis that cannot be brought a carbon from this animal. That's the Braise. It says the Gemara Katani Mies, one of the details that says here in this Braise is, Reiva asa ba'inis karotzen. That by Reiva, the Oynis is like karotzen. Mm. And that by both of them, you can't bring a carbon from it. Negeyach loy asa ba'inis karotzen. By the animal that gores and kills, we don't compare Oynis to Arotzen. Now, what does it mean when it says we don't compare Oynis to Arotzen? Regarding what is it saying that you don't compare? Love, don't you think this means the carbon? It means regarding bringing a carbon from this uh, animal. Meaning that the machlekes of Rav and Shmuel that we said before, that we don't compare Aynis Teratzen to say that in both cases it's going to be potter or puzzle that is for, for a carbon. So how could Shmuel say that even if it was an Aynis, it would be puzzle from a carbon? So the Gemara answers, Loy, that's not what the Braisa means to say. Look at it means to say regarding the halacha that this shayr that killed someone, that it is chayiv misa. You have to kill this shayr. Regarding that, it's not chayiv misa if it was an oynis like a ratzim. It's not referring regarding a carbon. And it's logical that this is what this b'raisa means. The omrit the carbon. If you're going to say that it's saying that we don't compare oynis to ratzim regarding bringing a carbon from it. What is it saying? That if it gores, you don't compare a Aynas to a Ratzin to say that you don't bring a carbon from it. Lav Aynas de Deksiv, Lav Ratzin de Deksiv. The Pasik that we learned it out from. It was learned from Uminatsain, the extra var from Uminatsain. In the Pasik, there's no Remez not to say whether it was a case of Ratzin and not whether it was an Aynas. So, how could the Brahis say regarding a Negeyach that Loy Asabai that we don't compare Aynas to Ratzin regarding whether a carbon could be brought from it? There's no Remez in the Pasik for either. It must be that it's regarding the fact that it has to be killed. So that there is a Pasuk. That the Mishnah already brought the Pasuk. That regarding an animal that Gordon killed someone. So over there, we don't compare Aynis to Ratzin. It has to be Kiyigach Beratzin. That's when it's killed and not if it was Bainis. So therefore, there's no question on Shmuel. 
Uh, the Gemara brings and uh, explains a detail that was brought here in this Braisa. Let's finish off this Indian here till the Mishnah. Om Amar, the Tana of this Braisa said, Negeyach, Mishalem is a kaifer, that if it gores, then you pay kaifer, but Reva, and Mishalem is a kaifer, an animal that cohabited with someone, so you don't pay kaifer for this. Hey, Chidami, what's the case that this Braisa is saying that you don't pay kaifer? If you're going to say that the case over here is that this animal, when it cohabited with a human being, it actually killed the person. So if so, why wouldn't you pay kaifer? What difference is there if it killed by its horns, goring someone, or it killed by cohabiting and then it caused a death? You should pay the same kaifer. So why are we making a distinction? Says the Gemara, the answer is, This animal cohabited with someone and it did not kill this person. So if so, says the Gemara, the reason it doesn't pay kaifer is because it didn't kill anyone. So you can't say that this is considered to be a, a kula here. It's not, it, you don't pay kaifer because it didn't kill anyone. So what's the Braise saying? So the Gemara says, Omar Abaye, Abaye explains, the case here is that it, it cohabited with a person and it did not kill this person. But the case over here is the Asul Beidina. This person that cohabited with this animal, what happened actually is the person did it willingly. And now there's Aidim for this and the Katlua. This woman that cohabited with this animal, she now is Chayiv Misa for this. So Maoditena, I would think to say, command the Katla Dami. This animal that cohabited with this woman and she did it Baratzen, and therefore now she was Chayiv Misa, I would think that in the end of the day, this animal caused that this woman should be Chayiv Misa, so maybe you should have to stone this animal to death as well. Kamash Malon, that's what the Brice is saying. No, that the stringency of Kaifer that applies when an animal gores and kills does not apply over here when the animal cohabited and the woman was Chayiv Misa. Rav says a different shot, Lo'ilam the Rav the case here really is when we're saying that by uh, cohabiting, the animal is not chayiv misa. The case is that the animal did kill a person. Now you ask, Why should you not be chayiv kaifer? What difference is it if the animal gored and killed intentionally with its uh, horns or it killed through revia, through cohabiting? The answer is it's not the same. When it gores and kills with its horns, it's intentionally damaging and trying to kill a person. So then you have to pay the kaifer for that. Over here, when it cohabited with a person, it was doing it for hana. The fact that it caused the death, was, was not, it's not the same. It's not intentional, like when it gores and kills with its horns. So therefore over here, the din of kaifer does not apply. The title says the din of kaifer, when it happens intentionally. So now the Gemara explains that Abaye and Rave, the two answers that they gave here, they're actually arguing about the din of Kaifer. The Maiv Pligi, what are these two answers arguing about? Says the Gemara, and this we had before in the Mesechte, in the Torah when it says the din of Kaifer, it says it by Keren, when the animal Gordon killed with its Keren. Now the question is, Beregel, Shedarsa, Algabe, Tinek, Bechotzer, Nizik. If it's a case where the animal did not gore with its horns, it did not do it intentionally to damage. What was the case? It was in the chatzor of a nizik, and the animal was just walking, and it trampled over a baby and killed the baby. In such a case, is there a payment of kaifer or not? When the animal does it without the intention to damage, it's just walking on its way. According to Abaye, you pay the kaifer for this. And that's why according to Abaye, the animal that gored, or the animal that cohabited, and it causes death, Either way, 
the same kaifer, payment of kaifer applies, and the same kaifer, just like by regal, it didn't do it intentionally, the same payment of kaifer applies. However, Rav holds that in such a case you don't pay kaifer, because in such a case it didn't do it by kavana. The payment of kaifer is only with the horns when it does it by kavana. The Gemara finishes off the Sinian, Tanyik Vasei the Rav, in Abraisi we learned like what Rav said before regarding the animal being brought to the Mizbeach, Shaira Tzadin, this Shaira that's trained in a circus to, to, to use its horns and gore and it killed because it was trained against its will. Ain't a chayv misa, so it's not chayv misa if it killed someone. And the kosher legavim isbeach, like Rav said, it's kosher to be brought as a carbon. because this animal is like it's forced to do this against its will, so therefore it can still be brought as a carbon.